to a Hope 103.2 podcast. Well, last night um, I started talking about an aspect of Jesus' life that some people exaggerate and others virtually ignore. Jesus, the teacher. But one thing is perfectly clear from the ancient sources, both non-Christian and Christian references. They refer to him as teacher. They say that he was hugely famous as a teacher. In fact, Jesus said of himself in Matthew chapter 23, verse 10, Nor are you to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. Now, this emphasis in the Gospels on Jesus as the one true teacher highlights the serious challenge he posed to the teachers of his day. He consistently set his teaching against the centuries-old traditions of the rabbis of Israel, and the crowds could pick it a mile away. At the end of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, recorded throughout Matthew chapters 5 to 7, we are told this. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. This is a very revealing statement, historically speaking. Matthew isn't just saying that Jesus was rhetorically more effective than the teachers of the law. His mention of authority in this text is a reference to the chain of authority which the rabbis of the first century were commissioned to preserve. Virtually all Jewish teaching in the period of Jesus involved listing the memorized rulings of former teachers on various ethical and legal matters. The authority of any given teacher of the law consisted in his ability to draw upon the vast body of collective rabbinic teaching. The most important of these rabbinic teachings were eventually compiled in the second holy book of Judaism. It's called the Mishnah, and it's still regarded as scripture by Orthodox and conservative Jews today. Jews have the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, but they also have this thing called the Mishnah, which records all the rabbis' teachings in that period. The Mishnah records the sayings of over 150 famous rabbis from the period, and it organises their sayings into 63 subcategories. My copy runs to 1,100 pages. That's a lot of teaching. When Matthew's Gospel says that Jesus taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law, he means that Jesus cut right across this usual chain of rabbinic authority. He rejected it as man-made. He thought it obscured the will of God rather than clarified it. Let me give you a very clear example of how Jesus rejected the traditional teachings of the Judaism of his day. The ancient Jewish topic of hand-washing provides a great point of comparison between the teaching of Jesus and the teaching of his contemporaries. One section of the Mishnah, is called Yadayim, which is just Hebrew for the word hands. It's an eight-page summary of the correct way to wash your hands before eating a meal. Um, Ritual washing was a very important part of ancient Judaism. Let me read this portion of the Mishnah and then compare it with Jesus. Here we go. The hands are susceptible to spiritual uncleanness and are rendered clean up to the wrist. How so? If one poured the first of two compulsory cleansings up to the wrist and the second beyond the wrist and it went back down to the hand, it is clean. If he poured out the first and the second pouring of water beyond the wrist and it went back to the hand, it is unclean. 
and so on and on it goes for eight pages of the correct way to wash your hands. Here's the thing. Jesus rejected many of these purity rules. He described them as man-made traditions that distorted the wishes of God rather than clarified them. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, we catch Jesus in full flight on the very theme of Yadayim, the very theme of hand-washing. Here it is. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? Jesus replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. For Jesus, what mattered was not the ethical artifice constructed by society, his or ours, but the direct will of God, which he, as the one true teacher, claimed to embody. Part of the challenge of being a follower of Jesus today is regularly pausing to separate out mere tradition from the will of God revealed by the teacher. Speaking personally, sometimes the process can be fun, as I realise that some of the things I've been burdening myself with are just church culture and not the actual teaching of Jesus. But other times, the process can be disturbing, as it dawns on me that some of what counts as normal in church or wider society would be anathema to Jesus. Following the teacher will occasionally run counter to the world around us. It will at times be unpopular. It will be a minority position. But this is to be expected. If Jesus really is the divinely appointed teacher of the world, what else could you expect than that his teaching will challenge our culture at some point? A truth that is relevant for all human cultures will, by definition, contradict any particular human culture at some point, since societies are constantly changing, sometimes coinciding with the truth, other times deviating from it. Let me say that again, because it's rather important. A truth that is relevant for all human cultures will, by definition, contradict any particular human culture at some point, since societies are constantly changing, sometimes coinciding with the truth, other times deviating from it. People who seek to adjust Jesus' teaching, as the modern church sometimes does, in an attempt to make it more relevant, I reckon end up doing exactly the opposite. In the first century, just as much as the 21st century, the power and poignancy of Jesus' teaching is that it sounds like a voice from outside human society. It's a voice that knows us only too well. It's a voice that calls on us to live beyond the historical blip we call our particular culture. Now, so much more could be said about this theme of Jesus as teacher, but I want to close by pointing out the gospel's counterpart to the theme of Jesus as teacher. I'm talking about the Christian as disciple. 
Did you know that the word disciple, methetes in Greek, is the default term in the Gospels for a follower of Jesus? It's not just a reference to the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles. It's the way of describing all believers. In fact, it's used over 200 times. No other New Testament word for Christian even comes close to this. Disciple translates literally as learner or pupil. It is, as I said, the counterpart to Christ's role as teacher. The word disciple, then, reminds us that the real Jesus wanted more than just believers who would pray and go to church. He wanted students who would imbibe his words and relate them to daily life. He wanted people who would reflect on what he said about marriage and sex and let that shape how they think and act in a sexually loaded society like ours. He wanted people who would listen to what he said about clothes, food and the body and try to apply this to modern living. He wanted people who would ponder his teaching on wealth and poverty and factor that into their household budgets. He wanted people who would contemplate his sayings on God's forgiveness and soak them up for themselves and embody them toward others. He wanted people who would learn what it meant to love your neighbour as yourself and try to express that in all of the radical ways he described. That's what a disciple does. That's what a Christian is. I'm John Dixon. Hope 103.2 Thanks for listening.